If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning and welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? It's the sixth Sunday of Easter, Holy One. At least that's what the preacher said. Every year we are reminded that Easter is a whole season, not just a day. If only it felt that way. Lately, it seems we are still in that Good Friday loop. The only news we seem to get is about violence and death There have been more than 200 mass shootings in the United States so far this year. Millions of people are leaving their homes across Latin America, trying to escape hunger and despair, only to be fenced out by a wall. Millions of people in Sudan are dying from shortages of food, water, and medicine. An estimated 16,000 Ukrainian children have been taken to Russia or Russian-controlled territory since the war started, families torn apart, and we are oh so aware of that on this Mother's Day. And to all that grief, we add the diagnosis, the treatment, the aftermath of the freak accident, the broken relationship, the depression, the separation, feeling too young and too old, Sometimes, at the same time, the piling up of losses, a heartbreak and heartache. Scripture says, cast all your cares upon God because God cares for you. And while we don't know what exactly that will do, Holy One, it seems as good as any a place to start. So we pray out loud, and we whisper in our hearts, rambling, punctuationless prayers, carefully written, using our best penmanship prayers, whimpering, one-word prayers, help, mercy, courage, peace, 
prayers that spill out of our eyes and roll down our cheeks. Gather up all these cares we are casting onto you, Holy One, and comfort us as only love can. With tender hearts we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the 23rd Psalm. You are welcome to say it with me using whatever words are most familiar to you. We will all end up in the same place. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in tight paths for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. If that is God, answer it. <laughs> I agree with the author Jen Hatmaker that the month of May is trying to kill us. This month includes all of the following, graduations, prom, finals, moving kids out and back, field day, Mother's Day, final projects, papers and exams, spirit week, end of the school year photos, talent shows, piano recitals, playoffs, and dance recitals. I am not even legally responsible for children and I will have attended all of those things. As Jen Hatmaker said, it is endless. And every June, all of us should be updating our resumes to say, made it through the month of May, no matter what year of our Lord it is. This is not to mention all the other things that are pulling at us, demanding our attention, whether we want to give it or not. In our own beloved community, in these pews and across the interwebs, we are managing news of terminal diagnoses, trying to remember our gratitude while we are so mad about it. We are sitting at the bedsides of those who are in their final days, wiping away tears, trying to get just a, just a few more words out of the people we love the most before it's too late. We are trying to keep our composure, even though we are facing news that changes life as we know it, forever. 
We are fighting for health care and relationships and personal peace. I am speaking in broad strokes, but there are a hundred different details to fill in those gaps. Perhaps you, like me, are a little weary this Sunday, limping a little, and not so much in need of a pep talk or a rallying cry or scholarly exegesis as we are an anchor, a touchstone, something to help us lower our shoulders and take a deep breath, preferably something that we could take with us into next week, but that doesn't require us to sign up for a subscription or takes too much time because who has it? Which is why this week we did not read the suggested psalm from the lectionary. We read the 23rd psalm, the most familiar of psalms. The images are familiar. The rhythm is familiar. We know it even if we have to peek at the words to recite the whole thing. We still know it. And to be very direct, it has nothing to do with the rest of the sermon other than the hope that today we will explore a spiritual practice that might become as comforting, familiar, and centering as that psalm. We know that Jesus used prayer as a way to be comforted, to find a moment's peace, to reconnect with himself and with God, and to center things. Jesus prayed by himself in public in small groups early in the morning in the wilderness on the mountaintop at the table before healings, after healings. Jesus prayed when he was in trouble and when other people were in trouble. It seems to me that the only situation in which we do not have a record of Jesus praying is to turn the tide of an athletic event. I said what I said. <laughs> so instead of an expository sermon this morning, we are going to try together the practice of examen, which perhaps is most broadly defined as reflective prayer. The traditional daily examen is an ancient prayer practice where, with God, we reflect on the events of the day in order to detect God's presence and discern direction. The method is attributed to St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Society of Jesuits. He told the early Jesuits that if they do no other spiritual excursus, they should do this one. I know that the idea of prayer can seem too prescriptively spiritual for some of us, especially for those of us who consider themselves to be spiritual but not religious. But it seems to me that somewhere along the way we lost the idea that prayer should be a regular practice. Practice is the catch-all word we use for exercise, work, custom, rehearsal, preparation. Instead, prayer has somehow gotten lumped in with those things which a person should believe in in order to be a real Christian. Do you believe in prayer? 
a question that implies that prayer is some kind of a magic trick. But what if, in, instead of something we believe in, we understand prayer as a spiritual practice that we need to take seriously? It is a discipline. Discipline is about teaching. It is to train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. It is an activity or experience that provides mental or physical training. Given the level of faith, hope, and love we need to make it through these particular days, the church ought to be offering something that will help us deepen our roots in faith, hope, and love. And I think that prayer is one of the options. I do invite all of us to first loosen that white-knuckle grip we have on what we've been taught is prayer. I secondly invite us all to not assume that we are going to be bad at it or that it is only going to reveal how terrible we are. If you feel like I've described you, please listen to what theologian Tanya Stanfield confessed about practicing daily examen. She says, I was sure that if I spent a month prayerfully reviewing my days with God, all I would be able to see is fail, 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 fail. After all, I was the product of a Christian culture which had trained me to notice my sin and general decrepitude far more than all the little ways God's love, direction, and life come to us. The definition of prayer can actually be found in the second part of her quote, that it is intentionally turning our hearts, our minds, our bodies towards God's love and abundant life. Some of you are familiar with St. Ignatius' daily examen and regularly engage in it even, or you have in the past. Over the centuries, a variety of examen practices have developed out of St. Ignatius' original teachings. The prayer of examen falls into the category of contemplative prayer, a spiritual practice that trains us in noticing two things unconscious underpinnings humming within ourselves and how God is present with us. Practiced habitually, prayer helps us become more self-aware and God-aware. This should be some of the most helpful things about faith formation and developing one's spirituality, self-awareness and God-awareness. Or, if God-awareness isn't quite how you understand it, perhaps think of it as love-awareness. Inclusive language is one of the ways we practice generous theology around here. After all, we are a collection of all kinds of kinds, Christians, agnostics, atheists, and none of the aboves. The common denominator is that we can all use practices that give us strength and comfort in times of trial. 
but that also cultivate peace and joy in our hearts so that they become a way of life. I hope that sounds like something that would be helpful. And if it doesn't, well, consider this the equivalent of what parents of toddlers talk about as a no thank you bite. Hold your nose and try it. Jin Cobble Wilhort, a contemplative storyteller and artist, understands examen as a daily spiritual practice that combines reflection, action, and accountability in a series of rhythmic questions about our human experience and where we find love in all of it. It invites us to ask big meaning of life questions like, who am I? Who am I becoming? Who are you? And who are you in my life? Where is God? This lets us get to know ourselves and God and love based on our own experience instead of what others keep telling us, who we are, who is God. If you're like me, this can sound both stunning and like a huge relief. The examen affirms we are unique expressions of love, sacred and free, our humanity, including our feelings, thoughts, bodies, hopes, dreams, interests, and experiences, can all be invitations from God to help us discover and share our unique gifts with the world, contributing to the abundant and beautiful diversity within it. It's important we take this journey within because we are not meant to outsource our conscience and identity by setting aside time for the sacred work, what we can grow is a loving, trusting, honest, and safe relationship with ourselves and with God. As Jin Cobble Wilhort teaches it, the examen has five steps, or really six because she was taught to do the first step again as the last step. I'm gonna go through these and then we'll practice it today together. The first and last step is gratitude. Name something you cherished about today, no matter how small. Gratitude is one way we tell the truth about ourselves because we name what matters to us. I'm gonna say that again. Gratitude is one way we tell the truth about ourselves because we name what matters to us. The second step is review. Look back on the day's events or sometime in the recent past. What happened? What did the day feel like? And how did you feel about these events and experiences? Just notice, just notice the feeling. The third step is reflect and listen. Based on your review, reflect and listen to key moments of when and where you felt most connected, most loved, or very disconnected or unloved. Notice those deep pulls of isolation and flow. Commit to mending what needs to be mended. Oh, I just skipped, sorry. Notice those deep pulls of isolation and flow and ask, what do you think your heart and love might be telling you about these moments? The fourth step 
is mend and tend. Listen to what is still undone about the day and needs your attention. Are, is your heart showing you places where you need to offer amends or healing? And this includes to yourself and to others. Commit to this mending as heartfelt accountability to your wholeness and the wholeness of others. The fifth step is to intend and move on. What is calling you forward? Where do you feel led and where do you want to go next? Let go of what you don't need, what no longer serves you. Ask yourself what you do need. Again, commit to these steps. Don't leave them just as wishes, but as intentions that become actions. The sixth step is to return to gratitude. Give thanks again, remembering that gratitude doesn't erase challenges, but opens a horizon of hope and possibility in the present moment. All right, here we go. I invite you to find yourself here. Root yourself with both feet on the floor. Let your hands fall open and relaxed in your lap. Pull your shoulders down away from your ears. If it helps to close your eyes, let them rest. Finally, let's all take a deep inhale. Hold it for a few seconds. And now let it out slowly. Focus on something that you cherish today. Something that you are grateful for. Now think of what has happened so far today or just recently. How are you feeling about it? Just notice those feelings. Be particular, not just mad or sad or happy. What kind of mad or sad or happy? Just notice. And now let us reflect. When you have felt connection, moments of peace, joy, acceptance, when have you felt a connection with God? And now are there moments when you felt disconnected from yourself, from God, from others, from love? Were there moments when you felt even a little bit lost or unwanted or isolated? Just 
Just notice. We know that life isn't about being perfect or never missing the mark, but about learning and growing. So let us consider the way we express our values in our actions. Is there anyone you need to set things right with, including yourself? Are there times when you have not been the self you wanted to be? Now we turn to intentions. What do you need to let go of? What do you need to hold on to? What are your intentions moving forward? Nothing need be grandiose. Something small, one thing. An intention to do this again tomorrow. An intention to not have the last word. An intention to sit outside for five minutes tonight, perhaps to see if the lightning bugs are out yet. An intention to make that phone call you've been putting off. Perhaps now you will have the words, or at least trust that they will come, since you've taken five minutes to quiet your heart and mind. It is a good time to ask for what you need to live into those intentions, to ask God to come alongside you with mercy, grace, peace, patience, confidence, Finally, we turn back to gratitude. Endings become beginnings. So what is something you truly treasure in this moment?
Beloveds, may we all stay with this feeling. I can only assume that all of you are fully committed to continuing this spiritual practice. So I put these steps in the bulletin, in the order of worship under the sermon section. They'll be there until Thursday when next Sunday's bulletin comes up. You can also email me and I can send them to you. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.